Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On this episode, we discuss the bombshell news that UCLA and USC are joining the Big Ten, some football recruiting, Michigan's new baseball coach, and more on this episode of Wolverine Confidential. It's good to be back talking with both of you uh, here on Tuesday, uh, July 5th in the in the afternoon. Um, we've got we've got a lot to talk about, uh, you know, since since our last episode. How are you guys doing? First of all, Aaron, how you doing? I'm good. Stressed out, but, you know, a lot going on in life, but things are good. So can't complain, I guess. All good things. All good things. Yes, just, yes, yes. You know, just getting there sometimes. I understand. Ryan, how was your trip? Honestly, it was one of the, the best trips of my life. I recommend any of you who have not gone to the UP for a golf trip to, to do it, especially uh, sweet, sweet grass and gray walls. Gray Walls is now maybe my number one course that I've played in Michigan, and I've played pretty much all the big ones. It was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, so not not too expensive. It's uh, and it's beautiful. The drive up there is beautiful too. I mean, it's can't can't beat it. So it's long. <laughs> Spent a lot of time in the car over the over the four days. Back was really sore from thirty six holes three days straight, but overall it was a uh, a lot of fun. So if Gray Walls is your number one course, what's number two? Probably Arcadia or Bay Harbor would be probably my number two. Those are I mean Gray Walls is just so unique. I mean, it's like you're literally like playing golf through a national park at times. It's like I just wasn't I mean, I knew it was gonna be nice, but it's like, oh <laughs> this is pretty spectacular. So yeah, it was uh I'd highly recommend. Well, Aaron and I gave you one podcast to listen to during those uh those long drives. Uh but you guys didn't even tell me you recorded, I would have fired <laughs> it up instead of we were listening to some other other uh podcasts on the seven hour drive to and from there. So yeah. Um, so be it. A, a lot has happened since then, though, of course. Uh, you know, the, the Thursday evening, you know, we're gonna kick off the the long holiday weekend, if you will, with just some wild news that it wild in some ways and not in others, but uh, UCLA and USC members of the PAC 12 since the 1920s are joining the big 10. Uh, the two schools based in Los Angeles are now joining a conference that is mostly in the Midwest and then a couple in the Northeast. So it's now truly a, will be a coast to coast conference uh, starting in 2024. So we've got, you know, this full academic year and the next uh, and then 2024 is when, um, you know, they, they would join in, in all sports, basically that the, the big 10 plays, I guess, you know, probably they're not coming over in you know, vol- men's volleyball, for example, but, um, anything else that, uh, the big 10 plays, I think that's the plan is, is for them to join people start, you know, think of football first and foremost, and that's fine. We can tackle that here, but I guess just in general, uh, kind of just reaction to to that news. I think I said that maybe it was you, Andrew, both of you. I don't know, but at this point, nothing w- with regards to college athletics surprises <laughs> me anymore. Yeah. Uh, especially the timing. It seems like the last couple of summers now have been just like littered with, you know, a couple of summers ago it was the Big Ten canceling play, and then they obviously came back. But last summer it was the the news of the SEC expansion. Uh, so I think that's that's just the name of the game these days. I think we're going to continue to see it. Um, so I wasn't shocked um, just because of the name brands. Any, I think any big name brand switching conferences to me in, in this day and age makes sense. 
I now I, I totally get, I get why you know a listener or fan would be upset. You know, it's gonna, certainly taking the regional aspect of college athletics and and kind of ruining it. And, and I, I get it. You know, you know, for for decades now, fans have been so accustomed to you know the certain number of, of teams in, in the league and developing rivalries and being able to travel for road games and and the like. And it just makes it a little bit more difficult. So it's you know it's it's one of those interesting predicaments I, I think you're gonna i think over time folks will get used to it you know and i don't think you know from a positive standpoint you know from michigan's perspective maybe eventually there's a michigan usc rivalry they've had some pretty some great games in the past you know maybe something develops over time but it's going to take some getting used to i think some folks are upset rightfully so at the same time at the end of the day this is all about you know consolidating and in gaining power and you know more money Mm -hmm. That's what the end. That's what this is about. You know, the Big Ten is in a in a race with the SEC to keep up, not only in terms of like on the play, uh, you know, on the field or on the court, but from a you know media rights distribution perspective. And UCLA and USC bring one of the largest media markets in the United States to to the table. Uh, like Andrew said, I think the initial reaction is just solely based on on football and how it affects football. And at first, it's like you know what. Oh, USC in Michigan in November. I mean, that sounds like pretty cool. And or even even UCLA going to the West Coast for Michigan to play um, in 75, 80 degree weather in November sounds pretty cool. But I mean, for me, I guess it is kind of sad, though, too, is at the same time, like I don't want two super conferences. I mean, I like the fact that there's five power five conferences and those conference championships can be pretty exciting when there's a lot on the line. And if everyone is leaving for two super conferences, it's, it's going to really dilute the the rest of college football. And I don't know if I'm a huge fan of that yet. It will definitely take some time to get used to it, but even like the secondary sports, like if you're USC and you have to travel to Michigan in March or April for a three game series, baseball series, and you get rained out twice. I mean, you're traveling all that way to play like one or two games. Like that's, it's a lot of travel for, for, for some of these sports that aren't football um, that had to play more than once a week too. So uh, I get the revenue aspect. It's starting to really help out these athletic departments, but man, it's, it's starting to be uh, 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 bring a lot of changes to the college sports landscape. That's for sure. Part of what made it stunning was that it, uh, you know, it was kept under pretty tight wraps overall. I mean, it's not like that this was, um, you know, not discussed about, you know, conferences merging essentially. And yeah, some of the better teams or bigger programs getting scooped up by conferences like the Big Ten. But still, like the first that there was actual report of this going down was hours before it got officially announced by by the leagues and, and the schools involved. So that that's part of what made it. Um, so stunning, but yeah, Aaron, you had some that. No, you you're right. I mean, the speed with which this all happened was, I think, faster than normal. Even last year, when we got word that Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC, it still took weeks before it was finalized. Everything was mm-hmm. announced. Everything else. This was, like you said, just a couple hours. So I, I applaud you at USC and UCLA and even the rest of the Big Ten uh, for keeping this so, so far under wraps. I think it caught the Pac-12, uh, you know, off guard. And, you know, that ends up happening in these situations. It's going to ser- severely diminish the Pac-12 and their their power and their negotiation when they go go renegotiate their TV rights deal. Um, you, you hit the nail on the head, though, Ryan, with, the, with regards to travel. I think that's the biggest 
um, question mark here, but just logistics, how these both teams on both sides of the country are going to be able to do that. I suspect you're going to see some long road trips where like USC and UCLA are going to come over to the Midwest and play, you know, two or three series in a row mm-hmm. or games in a row. Same thing with the, the other way around. Um, yes, it's going to add more expense to that. But I'm sure that was factored in when these schools looked at this and said, well, this is a bigger you know, boon for us from a financial perspective than, than what we're going to lose. And you have to keep in perspective, too. UCLA's athletic department has not been doing well the last four or five years. The Pac-12's media rights distribution deal was not advantageous. It's been well documented that these schools are a lot of these Pac-12 schools are not making money from an athletic, athletic department perspective. UC, USC, I believe, is but UCLA is not. They've been bleeding money for years. So I think this is in a way when they looked at this set and said, well, you know, we, we have no choice. We should do this. Um, so it, it makes sense from, from a financial perspective. But you're right. They're going to be spending a lot of money traveling. Um, I mean, this isn't unheard of. I mean, other schools do it too. Uh, the PAC, keep, keep in mind, the Pac-12 is a very large conference in itself. It spans from Southern California uh, north to, to basically the Pacific Northwest and Oregon, uh, Seattle. So there's a lot of travel there too. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'm sure you'll maybe we'll get some like you know tournaments where three or four teams go. They're going to have to figure something out. I think that's certainly one of the biggest uh, you know questions at this point. You would think it, it could negatively affect USC and UCLA recruiting in those secondary sports too. Because if I'm a high school prospect, like the fa- the idea of traveling cross country multiple times throughout a season just doesn't sound very appetizing to me as someone that doesn't really love to travel. I'm like. Why not go somewhere where I can be a little bit more regionalized and don't have to spend so many hours on a bus or a plane um, to to go play my competition? So we'll we'll see if if that has any effect. But for me personally, if I was a recruit, I'd be like, eh, I might go somewhere where I don't have to fly out to Rutgers for a three game series or something multiple times a year, but. Yeah, certainly logistics that have to be worked out, and you know, this, all parties have acknowledged that uh, in their in their announcements. Um, you know, as you guys mentioned, these super conferences. I mean, the thought, of course, for our listeners who maybe just haven't been following this super closely, is that this, we're not done here. Um, you know, not done with the Big Ten. Just you know, bringing in these two schools. You know, there's Notre Dame still out there. Uh, there's other Pac-12 schools like Oregon and Washington and, and whoever else Big Ten might want to add or the SEC, you know, and eventually have two two conferences with, you know, 20 teams in it because that's basically what college football is anyway. I mean, it's it's those are the teams, you know, some of the other sports are a little different um, and you get your Cinderella stories, especially in, you know, the NCAA tournament for basketball, but it's just not really the case in football. Um, it's just the, the power is consolidated. I mean, among a handful of teams and then kind of that next tier as well. So kind of been trending this way anyway, but, but yeah, I understand the, the disappointment for sure. My whole thing is like the NFL is a better on field product. Like the, the players are better. No one can deny that. Even if you prefer the college game, um, like the players are better. So what makes college you know, still so popular and for many people preferable is so many of the other things, right? The traditions and the rivalries that, that Aaron was talking about. And you start messing with those things, you give, you're giving people, you know, reasons to kind of tune out and just say, well, wait, why am I, th- this is no different now than the NFL, except that it's, it's worse players. So uh, yeah, if it's, if it's just a minor leagues at that point, uh, you just wonder, um, you know, how many, how many people they'll, they'll kind of, know drive away from the sport but um 
I don't know where that ship has sailed. Um, and it's all about, yes, the, these TV contracts. And again, there's no point in thinking of these conferences as, as true regional entities. There's no point in thinking even, even schools as, as schools. <laughs> they're like, they're just these, these, these entities that, you know, can be gobbled up for, for TV deals. That's really what it is. Um, so the fact that, you know, these are schools in Los Angeles and it doesn't seem to make sense. doesn't really matter. And that's, I think, moving forward when we see further expansion, look, I think inevitably the, the Big Ten and probably the SEC are going to add more schools, but I, I do think they're going to be picky about who they add. Mm-hmm. I mentioned USC and UCLA being based in Los Angeles, huge media market. Uh, you know, you got to look at, that's what you got to look at for when these, these, for when these conferences look to expand. You know, I think some folks were surprised when the Big Ten originally added Rutgers in Maryland, but when you look underneath the surface, it made sense. It gave the Big Ten Network additional expansion into the Northeast and the New York City market, something yep. they, they wanted. And, and that's where you got to look. And I think that's why schools like maybe in Oregon, which is a big brand to begin with, or a Washington in Seattle makes sense. Um, and that's and that's why you're not going to see, I think, major expansion right away. I, I think it's just going to be over time. But this is, again, this has been slowly heading this way for a long time now. I, I think it's only going to continue. Um, but a lot of schools are going to be left behind. And I think, yeah, we're eventually head trending toward, you know, either a two or three, you know, super conference deal and then the rest of the schools. And I, there have been some folks that have been, you know, suggesting that maybe there'll be a breakaway at some point between, you know, the power five or, and, and the, the, you know, the group of five, or maybe that, that even changes that, that line blurs, but there'll be a lot of schools left behind because there are some PAC 12 schools, just like in the big 12 and the ACC and the, you know, et cetera. They just don't hold their own water. They they're, they're in a small market. They don't generate a ton of money. There's not a ton of interest there, uh, and and that rips. You know, as you mentioned, Andrew, that kind of rips up apart some of the rivalry perspective. Like Oregon would be a more, um, you know, a, a, a appealing team to bring into a, a conference, but Oregon State not so much. Uh, luckily, USC and US, UCLA were again. They're both in huge media market. USC is probably a little bit more. Uh, known than UCLA, but they both bring different things to the table. UCLA is a big basketball school. USC is a big, big football school. So it, 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 I think these conferences are going to be a little picky about who they bring on. I think this is going to be a slow bleed or certainly trending toward uh, the way you know, of, of you know, two potential super conferences in college football. And both those schools meet uh, you know, kind of an academic standard that the Big Ten has so far held. We'll see if that changes over time. But you know, that, was, that was an element that was mentioned in their, in their you know, announcements as well uh all right we've like we said we have a lot a lot of else to cover as well there's some we can be talking about i guess potentially <laughs> for years uh, on this podcast since it's not actually happening until 2024 uh august i think is when it comes comes through that it, it becomes official um but yeah we've got a michigan baseball team has a new coach who last coached in the pac-12 at arizona state tracy smith uh he's 56 years old um he did not coach this past season but uh, was a head coach at Arizona State between 2015 and 21. He was at Indiana in the Big Ten, you know, for nine years before that. And the nine years before that was at Miami of Ohio, which is where he played. Uh, I guess, Ryan, what else do we know about him? And was it was he doing anything last year after getting getting fired by Arizona State? He was just off for a year, as far as we know. Not that not that I know of. So I'm mean, we're we're hope I put in an inter- interview request today. Um, and the Michigan uh, sports information director said they're going to try and uh, make them available sometime this week. So we haven't been able to talk with them yet, but 
Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what he was doing last year, but he's got a, a really strong track record. And I, I think kind of flew under the radar from the initial list of candidates that people were floating out there. It didn't seem like he was really on on any of them. And then all of a sudden, and it's like things started to happen. Chris Fetter was off the list. Jim Penders was off the list, the UConn coach. And it's like, all right, where did this search go? And, and it looks like they zeroed in on, on Tracy Smith. And yeah, like you said, he has Midwest ties from, from coaching at Indiana. Um, so, uh, he, he led the Hoosiers to a college world series, which is really hard to do in the big 10. So yeah, it's, uh, it seems like it could be a, a pretty impressive hire. He he's been able to de- develop guys into MLB prospects. I mean, I think we, well, the most notable Spencer Torkelson, the number one overall pick who's now playing for the Tigers. I mean, any, anytime you get the coach, the number one overall pick, it's, uh, uh it's, it's pretty noteworthy. So. He'll have a lot of work to do. Michigan has lost uh, quite a few players to the transfer portal here already. Uh, they've had seven recruits decommit since Eric Bakich's depart, uh, department. So, and, and they're going to lose a lot of guys to the MLB draft too. So it'll be a much different looking roster, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. This hire screams search firm hire. As you guys mentioned, it was a name that really wasn't floated out there publicly. It was kind of under the radar and name didn't really come up much. Um, but like you said, it, it's not the sexiest hire. I think there's some folks maybe looking for maybe a younger guy, maybe someone who's up and coming. Whereas, you know, Tracy's a little bit different. He's He's got the pedigree. He's won before. He's won in the Big Ten. You guys mentioned his Midwest tie. So he's, he's very apt and he knows what's going on here. He knows what it takes to win, I think, more importantly. And that's, you know, we talk about this all the time on the podcast, but it's difficult to win in the North in baseball. Uh, so he, he's done it before. Um, you know, he's not that young spry guy that maybe some folks wanted, but, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, Ward Emanuel probably wasn't worried too much about the recruiting class because many of those guys were probably aren't going to show up anyway. When you change coaches, that's just what happens. It happens in every sport. Uh, so you, you want the right guy, uh, you want to make the right hire. And it sounds like Ward and, and his staff probably believe they did. We'll see. I mean, the jury remains out. Uh, Eric Backage did a very good job, extraordinary job. I would say at Michigan, just in terms of being able to recruit and win. Um, we'll see if, if Tracy Smith can keep it coming, keep it going. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, interesting hire. Uh, it's going to take some time to work out, but he certainly got the uh, the pedigree. Yeah, I absolutely think the success in the Big Ten was just was just key. Um, you know, not having someone come in here and and just kind of think they know the challenges, but not not really understand them. Uh, he's he's obviously lived them, and and prying someone away from Major League Baseball who was you know a coach at that level was going to be, was going to be hard. You know, if you were someone who was a pitching coach, hitting coach, like with a major league team currently, I don't know, coming back to the college, that just doesn't seem like that, that happens very often. So, uh, they've got a guy that can, they can move forward now. And, uh, yeah, like, like Aaron said, see if he can keep the momentum going. Um, we've got, we've got some football, uh, you know, recruiting news. I know since, uh, since our last, our last podcast, um, yeah, Ryan, why don't you go tell us what, what that is? Yeah. The uh, mission was able to land. Uh, a few commits in the 2023 class, which there's much needed. A couple of guys that took their official visits in June. Um, so now they're up to eight commits in, in the class, still ranked outside the top 50 nationally, which is not ideal. But both both prospects they did add are top 500 or top 500 guys, which is pretty important. One four-star linebacker, Samaj Bridgman, ranked number 305 overall nationally. And uh, three-star wide receiver Frederick Moore, number four hundred ninety-one overall. Um, so two two key pieces, and especially uh, Bridgman, who comes after Michigan lost a commit from their top-rated guy in the class, 
Raylan Wilson. I'm not sure if you guys talked about this last week, uh, but a, a major blow to, uh, to the Wolverines recruiting class. He was a top 100 guy. Looks like he's probably going to head to the SEC now, had been committed to Michigan for a while. Um, so that's that's your centerpiece that, that that was decided to go elsewhere, most likely. So that's a huge blow, and, and it looks like Michigan kind of made up a little bit of ground here by, by getting Bridgman and more, but still a, a long way to go to, to fill out this class. Yeah, you, you nailed it. They do have a long way to go. I mean, they missed out on a couple guys last week, Charles Jagusaw and, and Jackson Howard, guys who Michigan maybe weren't the front runners to land, but they were certainly in that conversation right there. Um, and that seems to be like the name of the game, this this recruiting class. The guy Michigan's been close to a lot of guys, but haven't been able to land those those big fish. So they got some more guys. That that's a step in the right direction. But like like Ryan said, they're still out of the top fifty. They're still struggling to land those blue chip guys, top one hundred guys. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see where they go. Um, you know, as, as we've talked about in the past, obviously the recruit or the coaching changes didn't help. Uh, Harbaugh's you know flirt with flirtation with the NFL probably didn't help. Uh, they got some, some, I guess, probably trust building to to do here. But that, you know, as long as they can land some bodies and get get a decent class together, I think for the this coming year, um, they'll be in decent shape. And not only are they, are they missing out on guys, but some of these top targets are choosing their biggest rivals too, which has got to be a huge gut punch to the staff. Because I mean, yeah, you you can you can live with losing a recruit to someone else, but when they're, they continue to go to to teams that you're you're going head to head with or are or, or rivals with. Um, got got to be a tough pill to swallow. So Michigan could get some some more good news this week. A uh, West Bloomfield four-star offensive lineman Amir Herring is set to announce his commitment. Michigan appears to be the front runner there, and Michigan needs bodies on the offensive line. It's crazy to think that they do not have an offensive line commit yet. Um, it looks like Herring could be their first, um, but yeah, they, they're going to need three or four this cycle. So a lot of work to do still to do there. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I don't, I know mission had a, a good, strong push late last cycle to land a top 15 class this year. It's going to take a, a miracle. I mean, they have a lot of ground to, to, to make up. I can see top 20 still, uh, if they have another good season on the field, they can maybe re, uh, recircle back to some of these guys that, that maybe sour on, on Michigan a little bit earlier or, or as, as they continue to build relationships. But right now. It's not looking too too rosy, and, and it seems like NIL continues to be a, a big talking point at at Michigan. Is, is is another reason maybe why they're they're not doing as well. That might be the biggest surprise of this recruiting class: their struggles. Just you mentioned the offensive line, but just because Sharon Moore, that position coach, and he's now obviously co-offensive coordinator, but um, you know he was regarded as one of Michigan's top recruiters the last couple of years. He's helped land some big fish on both sides of the ball. I mean, he helped get Daxton Hill in here. And it's just not working right now. And, and it, you you wonder why, you know, there's, there's obviously there's rumors and there's assumptions being made, but Michigan just isn't recruiting. Even some of their top guys, they're just not recruiting what they have been the last couple of years. So you can only, you know, can only assume what something's going on there. Something's happening. So it's, it's weird. And another recruit, I failed to mention that Michigan, um, there were front runners for Collins, Aki and Pong, four-star defensive end, who was supposed to announce last week his commitment and Michigan was the front runner there. He has pushed it off now too. And it sounds like Miami's, you know, making, making a late push there too. So a uh, lot to pay attention to in the recruiting fund the next, next month or two. Yeah. It will be a fascinating summer there. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just weird to think that for the offensive line. I mean, all these recruits talk about wanting to get, de- get developed into the NFL. And when you look at what Michigan's been able to do with these linemen in recent years, I mean, they're turning three stars into NFL linemen left and right. 
Uh, they're coming off an, a Joe uh, Moore award-winning season, and and yeah, it's been uh, it's been a struggle in, in the trenches here, recruiting-wise, this cycle. Yeah, I mean, like we said, there's so many things you could hit on about the USCLA angle, um, but you know, one of them is is recruiting. I mean, I think Ryan, you mentioned about how it could be um, maybe a negative for for the those two schools recruiting, but could be more of a positive for a school like Michigan. They already recruit nationally, but now uh-huh. they have the added you know, element of saying, Hey, you know, if you're a West coast kid, you know, you've get, you get, you know, you get a game or two out there, um, you know, every year. So, um, yeah, that, that's something that obviously Ohio state does as well. And then it works for, for all the schools in a way. And so much of the talent now is in the South, but, um, yeah, it's just another, another angle to, to think about going forward. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I wondered about that when they when the USC and UCLA announced that they're coming to the Big Ten. I I do think that puts more pressure on those two Los Angeles schools to kind of recruit their backyard because, like you said, these other Big Ten schools will be playing there more often. There's gonna be more focus. The microscope's gonna be further on them. So if you go in there, and, you know, go in there to the Coliseum and get a win over US, USC, you can point to a Southern California recruit and say, "Hey, we just beat these guys. You can still play here and, and play them." Um, but maybe we're the better program. So I have to think maybe it's going to create more competition in Southern California for recruiting. Now, that's not to say Michigan. I mean, Michigan's recruited fairly well there in the last couple of years. Like you said, Ohio State and Penn State have no problem going there as well. Um, but I have to think maybe it's going to open some doors for some of the other maybe middling Big Ten schools and maybe, maybe get a foot in there at some point. Yeah, if you're USC and UCLA, you want to have a strong start in 2024. And, and not struggle right out of the right out of the gate in the Big Ten because then yeah the, all these coaches are going to be like hey look they made this adjustment to this new 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 conference and they just cannot handle the the Big Ten that could uh, definitely helps the the traditional Big Ten schools too recruiting out there so it'll it'll be fa- a fascinating two years leading up to this 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 change because it it could. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, last thing I want to hit on NBA Summer League is is underway uh, officially as far as they do play on uh, a couple of sites outside of Vegas to start. It starts Thursday with with all 30 teams meeting in Vegas. But uh, Michigan has has seven guys, seven former uh, Wolverines are in uh, will be participating. Uh, Eli Brooks with the Indiana Pacers, Sean D. Brown Jr. with the Atlanta Hawks, Musa Diabate with the LA Clippers, Caleb Houston with the Orlando Magic, uh, Isaiah Livers with the Detroit Pistons, Xavier Simpson with the Orlando Magic, uh, and Devontae Jones with the Denver Nuggets. He originally was uh, signed with uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, but has has. Things change. He changed teams uh, before he actually, you know, suited up for the Thunder. Um, so he'll be with the Denver Nuggets. Um, so that's a change from what I, you know, originally had, had published. I made note of that in, in an update. Um, but yeah, seven seven guys to watch if that's your sort of thing. You know, NBA Summer League not really something I can say I've watched too often. But uh, you know, if you if you tune it on, there's you know there's a good chance you'll see you'll see a, a Wolverine out there. Um, obviously, a showcase for younger players. You know the this these this draft class and then um you know even guys from the last couple of years who haven't fully caught on in the league you know simpson comes to mind there um you know trying to trying to impress all right well we'll cover a lot of ground here on this episode of wolverine confidential thanks for listening and continue reading at mlive.com slash wolverines